Cineboys to Cinemen, episode 31. 31? 32. No, 31. Day one. 31 episodes. Yeah. Uh, Hope you're well, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Uh, This week, Past Lives. Yes. A film that I saw a week or two ago. Mm. And at the time, I had sort of no real, not desire, but sort of had no plans to sort of discover it in, in, in Cineboys to Cinemen. But... As the as the days went on, the film continued to stay with me, and I continued to think about it. Mm. Uh, and after we drew a blank thinking about a topic after the anime <laughs> episode, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it became apparent to me that it was something I think we had to talk about. Really, yeah, yeah. And I think you rec- you said you think I'd like it, and uh, I, I so it kind of inspired me to go out and watch it. Not a lot of screens are showing it anymore. It's pretty. I had to go to like a weird cinema in the middle of like Westbury on Trim oh really to go and watch it yeah yeah but it was nice there was like no one else in the screen um, it was like yeah it's one of those films that kind of it's kind of peppered about the UK um, yeah I think it had like a sort of a brief peak but it yeah I don't mm. think it, it's held long no it's I feel like it'll be a movie I mean it's A24 isn't it but yeah, like it'll yeah. be it'll be like on a kind of prestige streaming platform of, of some sort in the next couple of couple of weeks i imagine yeah i agree yeah it definitely has that vibe about it mm. um as it's a sort of doomed romance although we use the term loosely in regards to that film because i don't think it's all sort of doom and gloom in that film necessarily no there's a sort of air of melancholy about it yeah but i think you could classify it as such in in for reasons that we'll get into later yeah but um yeah i agree with you it's not doesn't quite fit the mould, but interesting topic to discuss nonetheless. Yeah, the Doom romance in, in cinema, which seems to have really sort of sort of run alongside rom-coms and romance films in general as just like another sort of mm. almost sub-genre that's yeah, as yeah. popular, if not more so in certain cases. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll look forward to talking about that. We're also going to talk about some of our favourite examples. Mm. And uh, then, of course, the film review itself. So, uh, enjoy. <laughs> let's not mess around. No, I've messed around long enough. No, let's stop now. Come seriously. on. Questing the cinematic void. Right then. So, if the romance film exists to offer a unrealistic and fanciful view of romance, devoid of any of the complications of the human condition, yeah, as a form of escapism. Okay. Uh, the doomed romance as its name suggests yeah it's sort of the the antithesis to the idea okay yeah so yeah. The, the whole idea is that you know this isn't necessarily about escapism in the sense that you know all of the complications and the difficulties and the nuances that definitely sort of like classic romance films tend to ignore are very much present mm, and yeah. contribute to a sort of uh, a narrative that is driven very much by those things, yeah, yeah, and those things become the issues which then, you know, drive the narrative forward. Mm, yeah, um, and I was thinking about that idea for quite a long time about that, and I think there are plenty of fantastic examples which we're going to go into. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's interesting to note as well. Weirdly, like I was thinking about films like the context, like The Notebook. Okay, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Blue Valentine. Oh right, yeah, 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 like you know, like films that sort of strive for this this sort of hyper real presentation. Maybe not so much the Notebook, but this sort of representation of you know the doomed romance. But mm. even that, in a way, has become almost like a sort of fanciful escapist portrayal. Yeah, it's heightened in the sense that you get to see them going up the mountain, as it were. But then it's it also kind of presents it as as a 
is destined to fail. And obviously that goes all the way back to like Shakespeare, right? So Romeo and Juliet's like the example. Yeah. I'm not talking about the film. I hate that. I fucking hate that film, by the way. <laughs> I really don't like that film. The Baz Luhrmann. The Baz Luhrmann one. No, really? I really I don't hate actually it. mind it, but it's been a long time since I've seen it. Yeah, I just think it's... I don't think it's aged well. I think it's like the the way that the Shakespearean dialogue's done is just stupid and like the kind of modern with all like the TVs and the helicopters and stuff. Like anyway, side issue. Um, <laughs> no, no. But no, yeah, like that's where that started. Like the idea of of the tragedy and what better tragedy? What more kind of almost relatable tragedy? Because I think in one way or another, we've all kind of been in sort of relationships that are destined to fail you know like past relationships and stuff whether that whether those failures are, are down to things as kind of operatic as what happens in Romeo and Juliet or something as simple as uh, that they dumped you because you're they're not you know you're not as cool as they thought or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know you, you so it is sort of semi-relatable I think and mm. and if the two leads who are you know intertwined with each other have good chemistry then that only further enhances that kind of relatable idea does that make yeah, sense yeah i think there's a sort of distinction to be made in the in, within doomed the doomed romance because i think there is a mainstream appeal to them now mm. and i think a part of that is the way they present the way the romance falls apart so you're right that it starts off falls I'm thinking like Blue Valentine, it sort of starts off and there's that sort of whimsical sort of ukulele or guitar scene in the shop front. Yeah, yeah. And then it just descends into this sort of you know, basically hour-long shouting match. Oh, uh, yeah, it's after Ryan Gosling loses his hair. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. <laughs> when things go south. But, well, that that is, you know, what I was saying earlier, Like as he's becoming like less attractive as he gets older and, mm. and you as the audience are kind of meant to... I guess that kind of that that sort of um, masculine grip he'd have on perhaps well any any audience member in theory like would would be lost as mm. as as the story gives way to to his real tendencies and like he, yeah. he's quite a heavy drinker isn't he and yeah like, yeah yeah that kind of stuff I feel like even though that's probably one of the better examples of certainly the more mainstream doomed romance films mm. it's definitely a film that that strays into this sort of um, exaggerated version of a declining relationship. I think there are parts where it gets yeah. a bit sort of soap opera. Yeah, I agree. In the English sense, anyway. Oh, completely. Like the bit where she's marching to her car and she's like, "I want a divorce." You know that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. It does. It does straight. I do love the film. I think it's great. Is it Derek's? Derek's Yeah, Derek's Yeah, I thought I thought it was wicked, but um, that example is interesting because it. The relationship is doomed because of the behaviour of the people in question. Yeah. Like, I, a lot of a lot of doomed romances are uh, based on things that are beyond the main character's control. I guess. Yeah, so I'm yeah, thinking yeah. more like something like Atonement. Or, oh wow! Uh, yeah, okay. Um, God, you had to think about that. Never let me go is another one. I've got a list here actually. Uh, I've called it honourable because I've, I've got like some main ones I want to discuss but I've got yeah. honourable but ultimately not as good mentions and then I put in brackets tendency for romantic films in the 2000s to be hopelessly tragic <laughs> <laughs> maybe like a hangover from Titanic because obviously Titanic was so ridiculously successful yeah but they always these films always are based on books that you if you know when you go into Waterstones and there's that bit and the, the little tables in the middle yeah they've got those yeah. books on them yeah they're yeah. always based on those books yeah, like, I yeah. think you know, Time Traveler's Wife uh, again The Notebook P.S. I Love You 
uh, Remember Me, the one with the... I haven't actually seen it, but there's a bit at the end that has... It's like Robert Pattinson, isn't it? Robert Pattinson, yeah, 9-11. 9-11, yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah. twist is it's September the 11th, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, there's... <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's just a ridiculous twist. Same decade that 9-11 actually happened as well, that film yeah, got yeah. released, so yeah, there you go. Um, Benjamin Button, another one, like, um, yeah, uh, the other uh, Lake House. Okay. Uh, the Painted Veil. Wow, I don't, I don't know those two. Cold Mountain. Oh yeah, I've seen Cold Mountain. Cold Mountain, I actually quite like Cold Mountain, Um is that the Civil War? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah Jude yeah. Law, Nicole Kidman. But yeah, it's that kind of tendency, you know. Oh, the English Patient. I actually quite like the English Patient as well. Yeah. But it is post-Titanic, right? It's like, I guess studios thought, hang on a minute, we got something here. Like, the romances that are doomed to fail because of circumstances beyond the control of the protagonists work (laughs) let's do loads and loads of them and like let's seek out kind of novels that maybe perhaps previously would have gone like sort of fallen by the wayside i just thought that was interesting there was kind of like a tendency you know no i think i think it is really interesting because it sort of opens up this idea you know the more mainstream doom romances that there's there's appeal in in having your sort of heartbroken over two hours yeah yeah like if you're prepared to like envelop yourself in these stories and how trite and overplayed they might be in some cases yeah 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 there is something about like just longing for that that sort of fantasy the yeah. fantasy which the the romance film that that preceded the doomed romance yeah, always yeah. gives you yes exactly so it almost feels like a stepping stone like a cultural stepping stone you know like yeah, yeah. you sort of go to the romance film for a completely fanciful view of mm. love and relationships yeah and you go to the doomed romance to have a completely exaggerated version of things that can never be yes exactly you know? yeah yeah and quite often these films present what could be but actually what aren't like atonement did that uh with a film that I didn't mind too much when I saw it and it hasn't I don't think time's been too kind to it but like uh, the twist in uh, spoilers for Atonement <laughs> the, twi- the twist in Atonement is that the third act didn't happen and it's been written by Bryony right uh, yeah, who, yeah. who has uh, who was indirectly responsible for James McAvoy going to war therefore she wants to give him a life within her novel <laughs> like, yeah yeah and just the <laughs> idea <laughs> just the idea that in of like again it happens in Titanic like the idea that she there's that line she he exists now only in my memory there's always a moment where like yeah something horrible or awful has happened however like there's a, a touch of hope like weird sort of hope yeah there. yeah um, because yeah, the end of Titanic is that 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 sort of scene where she goes through, and the Titanic's all like it's as all it new was. again. Never yeah, starts. He's yeah. weighing at the top of the stairs, yeah. and there's none of the sort of like class bias or anything that dogged their romance in the real world. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. the fanciful version of what like she wanted. I think the implication is that old Rose has died, and yeah, yeah. she's in heaven with with Jack. <laughs> in heaven in this on the Titanic. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Terrible heaven. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's only going one way. Well, I mean, yeah, it fades to so white. I remember me, 9-11. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fades to white, but what happens if after that, the ship just sinks again? Yeah, Who knows? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've got a bit more to say about Titanic later on. Apologies. I know I've talked about it no, already. No, no, Cameron. no. Cameron. Um, but yeah, that's one of my movies I want to chat about a bit more. Um, 
But no, yeah, there, there was definitely a spate of films. It's receded a bit in the past 10 years, I think. But yeah. there was definitely, like, I'm thinking like The Lake House, remember that? Keanu mm. Reeves film? Where, where, you, I've not actually seen that. I've not seen a lot of these. Like, I, I sort of looked them up, basically. But um, but they all have that same trope, yeah. Of, it's interesting. So the divide is then is circumstances out of your control. Yeah. And circumstances kind sort of in your control but yeah but the self-destructive tendencies yeah yeah have have made it doomed yeah i think is more realistic but less fun to watch yeah (laughs) because it's easier to be to kind of experience catharsis when you're not thinking about your own demons yeah (laughs) i guess like it's easier to watch a ship sink and that be the reason why they can't be together than it turns out he's not very nice and it turns yeah, out that he's got yeah. you know he's got a lot of things to sort out but hasn't done it in the right way you know that kind of stuff yeah yeah, yeah. With <laughs> nipples and yeah and obsession yeah. with my little pony yeah yeah <laughs> we've all been there oh mate yeah tell me about it <laughs> god <laughs> Peppa Pig for me but whatever yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the nipples are mine. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it is interesting that 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 sort of distinction. And I think you're right that in the sort of, and this might sound a bit sort of wanky and pretentious, but in the eyes of the sort of mainstream audience that are going to want to sort of go to the cinema for a degree of escapism, mm. watching things that they can relate to, isn't perhaps on their agenda yeah, for, in terms yeah. of what they're going to enjoy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's what. I find really interesting about past lives, not to talk about too much, Mm. but you know, it it really walks that line really well of being sort of subtle enough to appear very ground level. Yes. But also there's a sort of loftiness in the way that the the, the sort of Korean culture perceives fate and all those sorts of things. Oh yeah. Of course. Um, Yeah. Which the title kind of, I didn't think it would, but it sort of weirdly alludes to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was quite an interesting and, and really sort of impactful way to, to interrogate those ways and not in a way that ends up being like notebook. No. Yeah. Or or indeed like to keep going with Ryan Gosling, (laughs) romance (laughs) film, Blue Valentine. Blue Valentine. Yeah. Um, but no, it is it is interesting. But I do find it sort of slightly strange that there is something so appealing to the doomed romance. But I guess it's always sort of been there, and I and I and I guess it's sort of it is a great a great story, really. You know, it's the yeah, it's one of the stories. Like yeah, yeah again, going back to Romeo and Juliet, like it's there's something about it which really appeals to people. Mm. Uh, it, maybe it's catharsis. Maybe like getting upset as much as some people don't like to admit it. Getting upset at a film can be cathartic I mm. think anyway yeah yeah like, yeah I sometimes like the cobwebs know. yeah exactly yeah like yeah. I sort of sometimes seek out films that people have said really upset them I'm like yeah. alright let's see if it can do the same to me um, and if it does I usually watch them on my own which is quite <laughs> pathetic really <laughs> um, but there we go no I, um, I, d- I think there's something cathartic about them and something universal about them and, and it's the easiest way to get emotionally invested as well. Like if you think about um, trying to think of a recent other like film that I've watched in the cinema that that might be might be a bit more difficult to get emotionally invested in. Yeah, Ant Man the Wasp, Ant Man the Wasp, Quantum Mania. Like, yeah. I don't know. The sprawling nature of it means it's a lot more difficult. And yeah, I don't know. For me, I I love a good doomed romance film mm, yeah. a lot of my favorite films are kind of based on that i mean even something like castaway which is chiefly not about but not about a 
doomed romance, but there's a through line there with his Chuck and Kelly, right? There's a bit at the yeah. end which should should be so cheesy, but I love it so much. Where he's like, "Oh, I knew you were alive. I knew it. Yeah, <laughs> and, I love you. You're loving my life. like that kind of stuff." Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, I've. Disproportionate amount of uh, doomed romances are in my kind of top ten. Well, I think you know it's you know since the dawn of the medium, I think romance has been one of the central sort of genres that's driven its success and popularity. Yeah, yeah. And you know, there's a reason why even in mainstream blockbuster movies that aren't explicitly romance films, there mm. are going to be romantic elements because it's a it's a key part of the identity of the medium. Certainly in a, in the mainstream sense. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, I I think it's sort of understandable that it would be the, the, the appeal is there, given mm. that you know culturally the idea of love and romance is something that's existed long before the films even existed. Oh so. yeah, yeah, it's been it's sort of a, a nature. It's in everyone's nature to want yeah. to have a companion, right? And that's yeah, always yeah. been the case. Um, yeah, I think like, I'm thinking about like uh, the ending of Endgame, which should have been the last Marvel film. They're ridiculously romantic. I mean, it's not doomed, but it's so... Do you know which bit I mean? Captain America and his missus. Oh, yeah, yeah, And it ends with, like, a song from the 40s. Oh, God, yeah. That's the ending of what should have been the last Marvel film. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a romantic idea. So, yeah, the through line and the idea of romance, I agree, is just... I disagree with you on the basis that we got Ant-Man and the Wasp and that was worth it well yeah Quantumania you know <laughs> absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah that, that one thing Endgame was lacking which was uh, the quantum realm Quantumania <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking hell <laughs> um, a couple of examples then I think we should rattle through some so go on Ben I, I have only got a couple but I feel like this is more your wheelhouse here. yeah I've, yeah. sorry if I no 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 go for it no 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 go for it so my first example is have you seen this Brokeback Mountain? Yeah, yeah, man. long time ago, but yeah, yeah, I love this film so much. Uh, Star Cross Lovers, which is, uh, you know, again, like that's the Romeo and Juliet thing. That's very, very, very common in mm-hmm. uh, romantic films. Is the idea that they can't be together for because of like a sort of societal reason or otherwise it's like a rivalry isn't it a familial rivalry yeah that's the yeah. that's the Ju- Roman Juliet in this case it's more a kind of so- society thing although I actually kind of think it's there it's it's not necessarily like the film doesn't concern itself with other people's opinions about them too because no one ever finds out about them too it's like uh, Jack and Ennis they are uh, it's more about how they think people will react and yeah. how it like you know they're what they found, unfortunately, doesn't fit in with the mould of the time. Sort of, it starts sort of nineteen sixties to nineteen eighties. Yeah, yeah. Western yeah. Um, America, effectively. And I guess that's that's the sort of key thing there is that it definitely does exist, even if it exists in the minds of the two lovers. Mm. The omnipresence is justified because, yeah, yeah, yeah. should that have ever been revealed, their lives would have been substantially far more difficult. Oh yeah, completely. Yeah, there's an implication at the end uh, that. Jack, who again, spoilers for Brokeback Mountain, came out in 2004. Come on, <laughs> um, that, that he's been killed because of his sexuality. Mm. Uh, it's never explicitly stated, but there's definitely kind of something there. Love the soundtrack, a, a staple of a really good 
doomed romance film I feel is uh, kick-ass, not kick-ass, that's the wrong, that's the wrong phrase to use. <laughs> yeah, kick-ass kick soundtrack. Ass, kick-ass soundtrack by uh, Gustavo Santolala. Uh, his, um, his score is like really, really memorable and really terrific. Okay. Uh, as are the lead performances as well, goes oh, without saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ledger and uh, Gyllenhaal, just fantastic. Um, again, yeah, like I say, the reason they can't be together isn't because society won't let them, it's because they won't let themselves, which is where a lot of the tragedy ultimately stems from and also a lot of the reasons why one of the only reasons why they kind of disagree with each other quite a lot Jack and Ennis um, I actually don't think either of the characters are like explicitly homosexual I don't think I think I kind of think that especially in the case of Ennis uh, Heath Ledger's character he's sort of more sexually attracted to men but more romantically attracted to women I think okay. that was the kind of vibe I got, and he was more—he's kind of attached to the idea of a wife and kids, but he's suppressing his sort of less nurtured side of his, of his sort of sexuality. Like, there's an argument where they that they have, which there's that kind of famous line, "I wish I knew how to quit you," and that speaks volumes. I feel like in the, the fact that their relationship is largely kind of based on sort of physical urges and that they're almost sort of addicted to each other despite mm. the fact that they kind of desperately are sink- seeking to kind of settle down at the same time and the bit as well like where he's like fuck yeah I've been in Mexico like I don't know if you remember that where he's they have an right. argument about like uh, she um, Jake Gyllenhaal's character Jack goes to Mexico to uh, seek out sort of sex with other men because of like the way I guess the way things work he sort of um, it, it's kind of an urge that needs to be satisfied for him whereas it's not so much for Ennis and um, it's just that this whole that kind of breaks it down like that the whole relationship starts to break down at that point and that's where the tragedy stems from and it culminates in Jack's death and there's just the use of Gustavo I can't not say his name, sorry. The, <laughs> no, the use of enough. the music at the end just really, really gets me so upsetting. <laughs> it's yeah. such a good... But, it, like, I mean, quintessential doomed romance, you know. Uh, really, really powerful, stayed with me. I watched it in, like, 2005. I was far too young to watch that film. I think we had it on DVD for some reason. And, um, yeah, I have no idea why. <laughs> I, I kind of put it on because I heard a lot about it. And, like, yeah, it floored me. That it film. was a film that, I mean, it did sort of dominate the sort of discussion, you know, there tends to be, you know, there's a few films every year that sort of have, like, a, a period of time in which they seem just to be all anyone is talking about. Yeah, I remember, yeah. obviously, 2005, I'd have been 15, so mm. my memory isn't brilliant of that time but i can remember that film being obscenely popular and being talked about a lot yeah even yeah in circles that i wouldn't have necessarily attributed upon re- you know upon reflection mm. would would have necessarily talked about a film yeah. of that ilk so yeah, yeah. i think it goes to say and ang lee i mean you know his work with character real character study yeah dramas he's brilliant he's, he's unmatched yeah and i think certainly is... the last yeah, twenty, thirty years. Oh, I know, completely. Maybe yeah. not unmatched. If there's plenty of people that do it really well as well, but I mean, I made the mistake of sort of only uh, having considered his like American films, but his films before then, you know, mm. he did Sense and Sensibility, which is a kind of period drama. Well, there's a lot of romance in that as well, and like, yeah, that's probably where he got the chops from. And he, so I feel like, yeah, he kind of transplanted that onto Brokeback Mountain, which is a lot. You know, and at the at the time as well, it wasn't like a taboo film, but it was a new idea. You know, it's I I wouldn't 
classify it as like queer cinema but it was bringing that theme into the mainstream for perhaps the first time or at least the first time in recent years at that point so uh, yeah really commendable for that reason as well just like really interesting and very difficult to talk about at school because i loved that but uh kind of going back to what i was saying about anime like yeah hard to <laughs> hard to talk about Brokeback mountain at school because everyone just uh called it like the gay cowboy movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what i mean and yeah, it's tough yeah. because i loved it so much there you go. well it's funny because ang lee is he's handled themes of a similar notion in the wedding banquet oh right okay you know, yeah yeah um which again concerns uh two men a gay couple yeah yeah living in new york i think my, my memory's a bit hazy of the film mm. uh the, the sort of details like that but you know it's a gay couple and um the character's from taiwan one of the the men is from taiwan and he fakes a marriage to sort of please his parents yes yeah and again yeah. that's that sort of cultural dif- mm. the cultural differences but not in a way that's explicitly critical of either yeah no i think course. obviously in in taiwan there's a much more sort of traditional view which is more deeply rooted and more pervasive across mm. the culture which is obviously a lot more negative towards homosexuality. Yeah, I, mean, I might yeah. be wrong in saying that in the context of, of now. Uh, I've no but, idea. But, I've but, got but, but, honest, but yeah. you know, at the time, that's how certainly how the film communicates that through. Yeah, yeah. Through his anxieties, right? Okay. Uh, about his parents finding out his true sexuality, but even in, in t- the context of Western Western ideas and Western identity, whilst it might be somewhat more lapse in comparison, mm. there is still clear there are some moments in the film that are really smartly peppered throughout which you know suggest that this animosity is you know towards that way of life is still very present yeah. in everyday life even in the west so oh man yeah it's a really interesting movie and there's some really great bits it's quite funny as well uh, it's quite a funny movie it sounds like there's a good opportunity for some yeah, com- comedy yeah, there but it's sort yeah. of like quite downplayed it's not sort of in the conventional doom romance sense or the more romantic sense i'd guess yeah, um, because there's like obviously like a wedding in which tends to be a very, very much a staple of romantic films, and you know particularly romantic comedies is where a lot of the comedy builds towards, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, no, great film, and uh, yeah, I, I'd quite like to revisit Brokeback Mountain and The Wedding Banquet. Yeah, um, man, I think they pair together quite nicely. Just such a ball because they're from the same director. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but similar themes completely. Yeah, and lovely soundtrack as well. Very good. Very good mm. music in all of the films, actually, that I've I've got on my list. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Common movie theme. Uh, go on, then. What, what's your... So the film I wanted to talk about briefly was In a Lonely Place by Nicholas Ray. Okay, yeah. Which is Humphrey Bogart, uh, Gloria Graham. I think it's probably Humphrey Bogart's finest hour. Oh, right, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I've mentioned this film before on this podcast. I'm, I'm try- I, I seem to remember saying that very sentence just now. But, it, you know, in the context of a Doom romance, I think it works perfectly. Mm. And it's particularly interesting given the, the sort of era in which the film is made. So it was made in 1950, you know, very much, you know, that sort of classic Hollywood era. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe the later stages. But, um, you know, it's... Obviously, the the romance was again, like we said earlier, one of the central sort of tentpole genres, and something that obviously garnered a lot of critical and commercial success for the industry for a very long time. Mm. This film sort of feels almost like an anti-romance in the sense that the archetypal Hollywood romance, which is often you know these characters riding off into the sunset to a life of sort of just you know purity and endless enjoyment. Yeah, yeah. What sort of happens when the couple does get together? You know, right? Yeah, and if particularly the uh, one of the members of this relationship is a very flawed 
difficult and sometimes reprehensible human being. Yeah, right, okay. Um, so Humphrey Bogart plays a down-on-his-luck screenwriter uh, who, who's got a horrible temper. Right, quite yeah. Quite violent temper. Okay. And um, he ends up in a... I don't want to sort of spoil too much because I really would love people to see it, so I don't yeah. want to say too much, but you know, he ends up in a relationship with Gloria Graham's character, who's one of my favourite actresses from the era as well. So certainly lesser known compared to some of the to some of the bigger hitters but you know mm. her, her work is fantastic yeah I think like you know, Fritz Lang's The Big Heat for example I think it's one of her first films and she's amazing in that oh, okay. anyway yeah yeah no, no, no. <laughs> um, you know and it's about this relationship and how it blossoms initially and how you know Humphrey Bogart's sort of darker elements sort of recede in the presence of love Mm. You know, oh, right. he, he you know he, he sort of reigns in his drinking, his, his violent outbursts completely sort of disappear, and he returns to his work. He returns to writing, and he loses that sort of hard edge cynicism which you see in place so many times in that right, era, yeah, yeah. which he's so fucking good at, yeah, uh, as an actor. But then these things start to creep in, and there's this sort of exterior. Basically, he gets accused of murder because he's one of the last people to see this person who gets killed, right. And the sort of exterior pressure from that has an impact on this sort of archetypal classic Hollywood romance. Yeah, and yeah. And as the pressure creeps in, this sort of fantasy cracks and, and Bogart starts to sort of just deteriorate back into this former self, which uh. makes for Gloria Graham's character harder for her to A, see the innocence, in, in you know, and maybe think this guy could have done it. Mm. And also want to spend a life with him because he is you know he becomes very violent and aggressive towards her and towards other people and it's just a really sort of tremendously sad movie I mean the ending is sort of bizarrely cathartic in the classic noir sense but horrible in the romance sense oh really okay Uh, and it's in keeping with the style of the noir which is obviously very hard boiled and downtrodden Mm. um, as they all as a lot of them tend to be because that's the sort of the style of the time and thematically speaking, very much akin to the ideas of the time. Yeah. Um, but it's a really brilliant film. I mean, Nicholas Ray, great sort of filmmaker of that era, made some very sensitive films about romance and about sort of gender as well. Yeah, okay. Um, he made a great Western, Johnny Guitar, which is, yeah. you know, fantastic, a fantastic Western. Subverting gender roles, having Joan Crawford as the lead. You know, it's he's a really fantastic filmmaker. And I think if you're looking to sort of start that era of Hollywood he wouldn't be a bad place to start that's nice yeah I mean that's interesting kind of a combination of what we were saying earlier then is the circumstances beyond your control aka getting accused of murder but also interweaves that sort of imperfectness about the character is another reason why their relationship would fail and I guess the combination Mm. that that's a kind of that's interesting because it's usually one or the other. <laughs> yeah, usually, yeah. You know, they're usually both perfect. And <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. I've not considered that in the context of this film. Yeah, it, you know, Bogart is sensational in it. You know, sort of said this a few times, but you know, he plays that hard-edged, downtrodden character so goddamn well. But here, he gives it real nuance. Yeah, yeah, and real pathos at times as well, which I think the best sort of doomed romance films have mm. is that you know, if the characters are going to be shit. You know, you still sort of feel for them after what they've done, even if it isn't that great. Yeah, you know? yeah. And that speaks to the complexity of, of humanity, which I think in for the era, mm. you know, which in a time where Hollywood was predominantly about sort of fiscal success and, you know, not wanting that complexity, that was yeah. sort of more reserved for, 
theatre, I guess, at the time. Yeah, yeah. As a, it was a more commercial medium, um, it it's really speaks to the quality of filmmakers like Nicholas Ray that they can do these things, you know, threading a sort of fairly conventional noir trope into a really impactful story of a doomed romance. It's nice. a really special film, one of my top ten ever films, actually. So, oh, nice. Yeah, good, yeah. you know, a nice opportunity to speak about it, especially in this context. I would implore anyone to watch it. Yeah, yeah. For many will, reasons. I will give it. I've not seen it, so I will watch it. I th- think I have it on Blu-ray. Oh, on Blu-ray as well, <laughs> yeah, no yeah, less. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Gotta love that transfer. Oh, baby. Um, <laughs> so I, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I, I do want to mention Titanic uh, because you can't not acknowledge it. Really, uh, it, huge cultural moment. Yeah, yeah. For, for our generation, I mean. Oh yeah, out. yeah. I mean, we were very, both very young when it came out, but. It, it, but it, it stayed with like I I heard of it I heard of it really really young so it stayed with like you kind of in the zeitgeist for a really long time yeah it stayed with our generation the same way like Disney films of that era stayed with our generation exactly yeah you know I mean? yeah completely no no you're totally I mean it was just the most successful film of all time for like twenty years and it was also my introduction to the concept of tragic love as well like the concept of star-crossed lovers i think i got a bit of a bias towards titanic for that reason like i guess you know the sheer power of using a romantic attachment that blossoms but ultimately cannot continue or is like cut short that was the first time it was ever introduced to me as like a powerful <laughs> yeah, storytelling yeah, yeah. device you know so yeah undeniable chemistry between DiCaprio and Winslet i do you know i've assessed their performances many times I don't think they're perfect I think it does stray into melodrama big time but it of has course. to really yeah. you know it's like kind of it's the it's an epic isn't it in a way isn't it it's like a kind of sweeping yeah epic. yeah yeah I think you could forgive it for not for having that given it's sort of budget and size yeah, and scope yeah. yeah kind of like Lawrence of Arabia levels of yeah scope yeah. almost um yeah, I like, like the I kind of like the idea of using the romance as a foundation for hammering home a horrendous and very pre- preventable loss of life as well. Like, yeah, you know, and it was using the Romeo and Juliet thing of the two lovers from different backgrounds as means to convey that class divide, which made the Titanic sinking all the more tragic as well. Mm. Like that kind of worked for me. Um, tragedy is reinforced by a great soundtrack as well. Like. James Horn. There's a bit in the end uh, where James Horner's score really like grips my throat. <laughs> uh, when Yoan um, Gruffin, the Welsh act- actor, he- he's the one who's like, "Is there anyone alive out there?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's waving like a green flare, and the s- soundtrack like properly gets to me at that moment. Um, I think a lot of people immediately like kind of in their minds they it clicks to Celine Dion. I actually don't like that song that much, and um, <laughs> weirdly, but I think. The, there's a there's some understated moments in that score that never get talked about, and the fucking album, the soundtrack album that came out, it's not the same music as in it's redone that they re-recorded it, and it sounds different and weird, and I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> That's a weird thing to do. Yeah, they redid it all and they made it more operatic than it needed to be, and it, uh, okay. so that moment when he's waving the flare isn't in the fucking soundtracks I can't find it anywhere uh, oh, right, I, should, okay. I should probably start swearing um, but yeah you're very passionate about this this uh, this particular bit of yeah yeah, yeah this yeah. bit of score um, that is it is in the soundtrack but it's it's too much uh, it doesn't get to me as much as as the clip but yeah I just, I just I had to mention Titanic really um, 
I will. It will probably be a long time before I will mention it again through fear of embarrassment because I keep talking about it. But um, yeah, big moment for me anyway. No, it's always good to hear you talk about that, man. I know you're <laughs> you're, you're you're a big fan of it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I thought like I had to bring it up again in the context of this discussion because for me that again it was just my introduction to all that and that feeling. Yeah, that yeah, kind yeah, of like, yeah, yeah. Weirdly, my my parents. Uh, I don't know if they're probably listening. You told me Jack died before he died the first time I watched it. So I was I kept looking out for the moment where he was going to die, and then and yet it still really upset me when it happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. something to say about his sort of carefree, high spirited nature that when he when he gets when he freezes to death, it's like really heart wrenching. <laughs> yeah, there is something classic about it, isn't it? In the sense mm. that sort of. There's a bolt. Just the stuffy, hoity-toity, yeah. <laughs> upper class, um, and that being some sort of oppressive force. I mean, that can sort of be a bit of a problematic characterization mm. yeah. in, in some in some ways. But I think it's interesting, you know, that obviously Winslet Rose wants to break free from that, and her, her way of doing that is meeting this sort of guy who's got nothing to lose, but that's part of... Yeah, who he is, and, and she, sort of makes he, him so appealing. Yeah, and, and free. He, yeah, exactly. And he transplants that nature onto her, which enables her to lead this like really wonderful life. Yeah, so he yeah. like remarries and stuff, but they don't touch on it that much. You um, feel really sorry for that fucking bloke she remarried. Oh yeah, yeah. I always completely. think about that. There's always yeah, sort of yeah. like I think we've sort of talked about this before, but like in romance <laughs> films or anything, like as an audience, you are just conditioned just to want this thing so much that anyone else, like the guy that she remarried, is like fuck that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, um, Past Lives does something really interesting with yeah, that, which yeah, we'll talk yeah, about yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot more balanced view of that, I think. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Really good. No, I think it's interesting. We, we were talking about that. I want to sort of pick on that idea you were saying about doom romances in the sense that their love is not allowed to blossom because of sort of some sort of societal thing and it, it made me think of you know films like A Portrait of a Lady on Fire yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, Moonlight you know? yeah yeah oh. two examples of two you know, gay and lesbian mm. you know in couples who through expectations of masculinity in the case of Moonlight yeah which Jenkins wrestles with so beautifully in that film oh yeah uh, I always think I mean it's, I've only seen it the once but the scene that always stays with me is the scene of um, the guy showing as uh, Chiron yeah, uh, how to swim? Oh yeah. I don't yeah. know why. Like, I think I just reminded me of, even though it was nowhere near as cinematic. I was just in Queensway swimming centre in Derby, <laughs> you know, my dad doing something similar, and I was really young, and right, I remember yeah. that like, just that's not to be cheesy, but that's like the power of movies, right? Oh like, yeah, you know, yeah. it hits you in a way that I think few other mediums can do. Yeah, and it was you know I just remember being sort of completely paralysed by that and being a blubbery mess for like ten minutes of the film. So much yeah. so that I sort of forgot what happened after that. Yeah, it like right. Yeah, really hit me. But you know, I think that's such a delicate portrayal of the struggles, you know, and the masculine expectation, which I think is interesting in the context of Brobat Mountain because that's sort of similar. You know, yeah. I think we've mentioned this before, but the cowboy is the archetypal sort of symbol of rugged american masculinity yeah the masculinity that conquered the west the Mm. masculinity that is this sort of cultural touchstone not just for people in america but the entire world yeah yeah and like to be gay is almost a portrayal of that yes you know in the eyes of those characters you know in the eyes of Uh, the lovers yeah and that's that's what that's their downfall is their perception of what people 
you know their perception of themselves almost yeah. and and they have to settle down and get married but like what does that do to their wives and, yeah yeah and, and all... yeah this yeah who, who are they dragging into the mire to uphold that facade you know yeah and like when when tragedy strikes as well like you they're just left with nothing like when when they have no choice but to not be together i.e one of them is dies or is killed it's like so it just affects me mm. so much um, yeah 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 Another good example, again, uh, I'm not sure... I know you haven't seen this, and I've talked about this film before on the podcast as well. I do want to briefly talk about uh, Call Me By Your Name. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Just because it, like... I've made quite a lot of notes about this, actually, but, like, it kind of... It just encapsulates the feeling of, like, having a crush. Do you remember, like, when... I don't know yeah. if you were in your, like, early teens, and you had, like, a crush on someone. Mm. And it, like... It, and it would be quite a powerful feeling, even though it was kind of stupid and... You know, it's it, formative yet throwaway. In yeah, equal measure. it could be on a celebrity as well. Like yeah, it could be someone you'll yeah. never ever meet. Yeah, and someone yeah. like twenty years older than you. Yeah, <laughs> and it yeah. still affects you in a really sort of powerful way. And that film is a great example of that, I think. Um, and also, like oddly, even though it's another uh, same-sex relationship in Call Me by Your Name, it doesn't really touch on it that much. Like it doesn't. The only way it touches on it is like Elio, the fifteen-year-old Timothy Chalamet character is sort of having a bit of an identity crisis in it and it plays to that like that but it doesn't like society do, in in the context of call me by your name there's like a wonderful moment where his dad just says look i know i know you guys had some in there but i'm like just like cherish it and that's such a lovely moment like it sort of makes you realize that the film isn't about what society thinks of them at all it, even though i think it's set in like 80s the 80s in italy like it just is totally unconcerned with that and it's just about these two um i think that's really nice uh you know you're with you're with this 15 year old guy elio the whole time and he sort of he, he you kind of understand his night through his naivety you understand his obsession with this man like army hammer <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> i was gonna say i think the film is sort of lost stock because of that in a well way, it's a shame it? you know? yeah. yeah it's a shame it always sucks when that happens yeah it makes it difficult i mean to it's recommend. not like it's probably mm-hmm. the sort of the worst thing to happen really given the yeah context no, yeah. of the allegations but you know for the sake of the film podcast <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> a film podcast no um yeah it just it kind of for me anyway like it the the, the bit at the end when I know you haven't seen it, and I don't want to spoil that for you, actually, so I won't mention what happens at the end. <laughs> um, but yeah, just yeah, the idea of the, of a crush, it like yeah. kind of, it it gives you that same feeling watching the film. Um, yeah, really good. So interesting to communicate that so strongly. Mm, yeah, yeah. I always i I was thinking in the context we sort of mentioned it portrait of a. Lady on, Lady fire. on fire, yeah. yeah. I mean, that is a, a fucking special movie. Yeah, and it, you know, seeing Siama as someone that, I mean, she's in a director deep dive pot, isn't she? And we hope to talk about her soon. So I don't want to talk about this too much for that reason. Okay, yeah, but yeah. That yeah. fucking ending is. I just, need to revisit it. It's just it's beautiful, just yeah. magical. Like it's so heartbreaking, but you know, so lovely. Um, so simple without words as well. Yeah, um, which yeah. I think is something she is as a filmmaker one of the best at right mm. now, sort of communicating such an intense cocktail of emotions and feelings and stolen glances and mm. you know completely yeah for that and one of that and I, you know I'd say you know that and Moonlight examples of two great modern Doom romance films because it's the outside you know the, the exterior stuff is always there and it, you know it ends up being 
you know, that love can only keep that at bay for so long, you know. Yes. And it's always the love that you take away from the film as well. That's mm. always the, despite mm. the fact that, you know, for whatever reason, the two leads split apart, be it through death or circumstance, there's it's always the love that you take away from it as well. Yeah, like, yeah. no matter what, same with Call Me By Your Name as well. Um, and and Broba Mountain and uh, and Moonlight, yeah, it just uh, yeah that that's the powerful feeling that kind of lingers, I think, and yeah. and does with uh, past lives as well. I, f- I feel. Yeah, I mean, um, let's get into that because. Uh, oh no, I've just I've just got one more really quickly. Um, go on. Have you seen it? It's called Like Crazy, which is a terrible title. <laughs> uh, no, but I agree, it's a terrible title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just it's about it captures sort of difficult nature of a long distance relationship. Okay. Um, quite well. Great soundtrack. Guy called Dustin O'Halloran. Uh, really great chemistry between the leads. In this case, they're wrenched apart by circumstance, uh, visa-based circumstances. Um, oh, okay. And they have the ability to communicate still because it's set in the modern day. But I, I actually think, in the case of like crazy, this is what brings the characters to the tragic, sort of semi-tragic conclusion. So they, spoiler alert, minor spoilers. Uh, they, they meet again at the end, finally, like after this visa situation was sorted out. But because of the fact that they were able to communicate, that the idea of uh, distance making the heart grow fonder just goes out the fucking window, and there's like a horrible awkwardness between them at the end. They're finally back together again, but something isn't the same anymore. And it's weirdly because they were afforded the ability to mm. chat over Skype and stuff, which and is another thing. Another that, thing in past lives, past yeah. Lives and it does. I think it's interesting that the idea that you know the, the technology is sort of contributed to the, the deprival of like romance. <laughs> it, it really <laughs> or, is, you yeah, know. Yeah, like yeah. I think that's a really interesting thought if you consider the sort of wider narrative about you know in in so many movies of different genres they're often very cautionary tales about t- technology yeah all of the sort of luxury and and apparent freedom it, it should offer you there's always a sort of something incredibly dehumanizing about it yeah i think so and yeah. that's interesting and i'd like you know on the basis of that i, I might check that out it's that's good it's good it's pretty um it's quite a difficult watch um like i was in like a, lo- a long distance relationship i fucking hated doing the skypes and stuff like i really used to dread it yeah um luckily i'm not that's not the case anymore <laughs> like, yeah right married, okay. to, married to someone else <laughs> but um yeah it did i think yeah if you've experienced that like crazy is one to one to watch because it does touch on those ideas and the idea of like you say technology actually being a, a great the great inhibitor to a relationship it's quite mm. interesting yeah interesting yes <laughs> so We've throughout the discussion, I guess we said liking past lives, liking past yeah, lives. I know, yeah, which is quite a you know yeah. a happy accident. Um, yeah. Let's go into it. Yes, uh, I guess start very sort of rather tritely. First thoughts. Oh, really liked it. Yeah, and uh, I think if you asked me a week ago, I would have been a bit more mixed on it, but uh, it really like stayed with me, mm-hmm. and it's one. It's a s- slow burn. Even after you finish watching it, you kind of you're considering the themes and like really nice cinematography as well because that's a lot of the shots sort of stuck with me and i kept remembering them again yeah yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. and uh, yeah no i thought it was really good quite r- reasonably powerful i thought uh yeah not not quite upsetting 
in the same way that like something like Brokeback Mountain or Call Me By Your Name would be, but it's like a subtle melancholy, like we were saying earlier about. Mm. Uh, what what about you? I know you. Yeah, I mean, I I remember sort of about twenty minutes into the movie thinking, uh, I'm not sure this because I remember watching thinking from the trailer because obviously being in the watershed quite a lot before the release of the film, mm. saw the trailer like three or four times, and I remember remarking, I don't know if I was if I was with you or with someone else, but I sort of remarked that film could either be like a really it's like it seems like an awkward mix of like a an indie movie like a really impactful sort of study of romance or a fairly familiar rom-com yes and i'm not sure which direction this film's going to take oh <laughs> yeah um and i felt that there was a bit of that sort of that going on in the first sort of 10 15 20 minutes of the film and i yeah, thought yeah. Oh. but as the film went on and i felt the film grew Themat- in terms of its confidence thematically speaking yeah yeah um it became something really quite special and a film that you know after like a week like you said in the intro you know like after like the four or five six seven days i was still thinking about the ideas of the movie mm, yeah definitely. and i think it ties really interestingly into what we were saying before about the idea of things that you can't control getting in the way of true love and yeah. things that you can getting in the way Yes, of true love, and I think it wrestles with those really interestingly, and in the context of a cultural division as well. Yeah, definitely, which is fascinating because yeah. we, we we talked, you know, a few episodes ago about Return to Soul. I was just yeah, I'm just you know, and it's interesting it, yeah. because mm. it was probably that film that the trailer played against. Actually, I, I wouldn't yeah, surprise maybe. me. Yeah, yeah, but it's like this idea that you know that there seems to be a sort of a, a, a revival of these sort of kinds of movies about you know the east and west and the differences and yeah, yeah. you know and and that is often used quite a lot not, not explicitly east and west but the cultural differences in certainly in like more mainstream romantic films is really fucking common like my big fat greek wedding for example yeah yeah exactly, and the third yeah. one that's coming out and the trailer looks fucking whack <laughs> doesn't look good i mean it, obviously no. that's not it's not for me and i completely respect that and if you go and enjoy it power to you like i won't judge you but no. even by the standards of like romance films that trailer looks so fucking shit yeah 11 like, percent on, on is it, has it been out so. is it is it come and gone or? the reviews have certainly come out yeah. <laughs> right, 11% well there we yeah, go yeah yeah maybe I'm not <laughs> you know too wrong there then I don't know but you know that's a really common theme that sort of cross-cultural amalgam mm, which is yeah. shared between the, the two lovers yeah and it's just nice to see it be done in a more sort of you know sensitive and far more sort of impactful manner um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in this film and Return to Soul, I think Return to Soul because I think those themes are a little bit more embedded in Return to Soul than they are here. I yeah. think there's something more universal in 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 the message of past lives, even though it's still obviously in, you know rooted in in that experience and is a key theme in the film. I feel like there's something a bit more universal about it. Um, yeah, I think uh, Return to Soul was yeah no Return <laughs> <laughs> Return to Soul definitely kind of it was more overtly what that film was about was that kind of cultural divide. This is you this film uses it a bit more to break down the communication between those two a little bit. Mm-hmm. It, it uses it as a device to show the audience, hey, these these two have led vastly different lives and yeah, this is yeah. one one of the few reasons why it can ultimately you know never really work out and it does use it like yet yeah, less subtly than return to soul and like again 
not to the same extent, but it is employed for sure. Yeah, not to the detriment either. I think it's no. a, it's a central part of the film, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the idea is, for those, you know, that haven't seen it, first off, what are you doing? Yeah. But secondly, you know, if, if you're still here, uh-huh. uh, you know, it's about that the sort of classic, sort of fantastical element of love, the idea mm. of just seeing someone and be feeling a connection to them that sort of supersedes any sort of rational thought Yes. Um, and that connection being a constant in your mind, even when those people aren't around. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's something that, you know, films have definitely done before and will probably will continue to do uh, in various guises. But, you know, that idea, and, the, and it really burns with a sort of intensity. And it's interesting you talk about First Crush mm. because there's an element of that too, you know, oh, because yeah, the film yeah. begins with the two... I mean, there's a film of three lead characters, I'd say, but the sort of yeah. two, you know, Korean characters before Nora, which I believe is her it's Western her name. Western name, yeah. yeah. But before Nora moves to Canada, mm. she has this kind of thing, this sort of like childlike early teenage infatuation with this boy that she's really close with and they have a really close relationship. And from the outset, it appears their relationship sort of supersedes classic sort of teen mm. Uh, relationships there's a there's a closeness that is obviously deeper you know and it's also like heartbreakingly innocent as well yeah they're so young they're young they're so young that it's like it flourishes their sort of romance i wouldn't even call it a romance but it's a budding romance it's it's on the cusp isn't it so they're they're they it flourishes at a stage that nora and haesung's uh lives when they're still I guess free of any pubescent or adolescent clutter. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> so they're re- it's really pure and really sweet, and kind of reminded me of that film Close as well. That same sort of dynamic, oh, yeah. a little bit. Of yeah, a, yeah, yeah. A friendship, which is you know, the the distinction between a friendship and a romance isn't quite as uh, defined. No, I suppose, no, when because you're the people young. aren't that defined, and their yeah. understanding of those things isn't that defined either. So, mm, like, yeah, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I'm not considering that context. Uh, yeah. Close would be another doomed romance film, really. In, in a way, in, in yeah, a way, yeah, completely. Or, tragically, doomed. oh, nasty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nasty, but in a in a way that you should maybe, yeah, give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> Great film yeah. on movie, I believe. Yes. Um, but you know, so and then what happens is is that she emigrates with her family to Canada. Yeah. And they lose touch. And um, years and years later, Nora is, at, I think, at uh, college. She's in, in New York. New York. She, yeah. And on a whim, whilst talking to her mum, she decides to search out this boy, this, this lost this lost connection, which is obviously still burning within her. Yes. Um, never forget. You never forget your first, I suppose, no. that kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, she finds him because he's trying to find her. Yeah. And then it starts like, uh, again, uh, as you mentioned with Crazy, what the film like, like Crazy. Terrible title. Terrible title. <laughs> <Yeah>. Fucking <laughs> dreadful title. But, you know, uh, and they start talking over Skype yeah. mm. and it the fires that were burning within both of them just ignite to sort of preposterous new yeah. heights and, a, and a, a, a sort of, you know, stomach churning intensity. Yeah. And they speak constantly to one another. Yeah, yeah. And then they hit and I, I guess Nora sort of starts to realise that this is sort of not going to work. There are different stages in their lives. Yep. And whatever sort of fantasy that mm. she, they, they both have, which they both superimpose on each other, mm. is just not going to work. Yeah, it breaks down, doesn't it? And I think 
yeah, she she realizes that that she they've already been brought up in vastly different cultures. There's like a logistical issue with how they can't see each other for a year and a half. Yeah, because he's going to China for work and she's going to some writer's retreat because she's a yeah. budding writer, isn't she? A playwright. Playwright, yeah. And, and she sort of starts to realise, I'm going to have to give up a year and a half of potentially like meeting someone and settling down and I'm going to have to give all that up for you. And she sort of comes to that sort of horrible realisation that unless they're together in the flesh it's it's just not going to work like, it's not no. going to work for them um which is kind of heartbreaking there's a moment when when he just kind of like oh it's, it's not like we were ever dating anyway yeah and it's like yeah. oh but you've you've you sort of were yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. never stated but you you completely were kind of yeah, thing. yeah 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 um, it, it is entirely free of like any you know it's free of those sort of overtly sort of sexual themes there they're, they're chasing that purity I suppose that they had when they were younger um, yeah so they and yeah, they, yeah. they never kind of consummate anything in it I know not that you can over Skype or well I don't know but <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that's quite a tragic moment it is and it's also from Nora's perspective I think takes quite a great deal of strength to do that because mm. You know, I think she obviously wants to keep this going, but realizes that it's so counterproductive to her own growth professionally, mm. and you know, or academically, as yeah. a, you know, or creatively, probably be the better way of saying it, because mm. you know that's what she wants. She's you know, she's she's a writer, and that's what she wants yeah. to do. And if she if she forfeited that to chase this romance, then she could, you know, yeah. she, her her a big huge part of herself will go. Yeah, you know, she'll have to give it up. It's a very almost quite an American thing that she does. Don't you? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think there's an implication in the film. I'm not sure how true this is, but actually, this kind of gets touched on in Return to Soul as well. That uh, kind of part of the Korean way of life is being very open with your kind of with your um, emotions, and whereas what she does is she kind of closes that off to him mm. in pursuit of a of a dream, like almost an American dream, right? <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, Where, yeah. And he doesn't quite understand that I think like he, he reacts well like he doesn't do a, a bogart no. <laughs> um, but he doesn't also like he doesn't I, you get the feeling he doesn't quite understand why she's pushing him away yeah yeah, yeah. but she be he's very gentlemanly in his acceptance of that yeah, yeah exactly. it's interesting yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then you know she goes off to this writer's retreat meets a western yes, bloke yeah um, who has similar aspirations to her wants to be a writer Mm. And they fall in love, and the film, yeah, the film, you know, jumps in time quite a lot. If you hadn't guessed, twelve years twice, 12 years, yeah. yeah, which I think it actually plays with really quite well. And she's married this bloke. She's married this bloke. They have a nice life together. They live, you know, in relative comfort in New York. Both creatives, both get to practice their, their you know, their respective creativity. Yeah, um, both seem very much in love. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then this chap comes back into 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 their life yes um via a, a holiday <laughs> to new york um, he's, from it, korea yeah he's just split up with someone hasn't he or that's right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i feel like m- this might be where the film demonstrates his weaknesses more more so than in any other part of the film was where it's kind of implied that the reason he's there is so- sort of for her not necessarily to whisk her off her feet but just to see her again, and it's quite—it's um, it's sort of a weakness of his that he doesn't acknowledge her circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the final 
part of the film plays out in him kind of realizing that uh, things aren't things aren't as, as heavenly as <laughs> as no, he might see. I mean, as as the sort of you know that burning emotion within you, it's almost it helps you to sort of formulate these collages of a successful relationship that you sort of superimpose on one another mm, you know yeah. and you get the sense that both characters are doing that yeah, yeah. you know the the idea of finding your one true person you know is <laughs> yeah. something that is so trite and overdone but i really like the way the film deconstructs it in this idea that a lot of it doesn't sort of take into account the complexities of the other person yeah and of course yeah. in this film the complexities are, are on a basic human level of various but not to mention the cultural differences mm, yeah which again the film sort of explores quite interestingly uh, there's a moment in the film where Nora's talking to her husband about about this you know, yes and, she's, and yeah. you know and she says he sort of makes me feel like less Korean and more Korean at the same time yeah yeah so like obviously there's an attachment to home an attachment mm. to her identity which is really important to who she is yeah yeah but there's also it brings into stark relief how different they are mm. and how her sort of being you know growing up in the west has given her a different outlook on the world which yeah. is, does not correspond with his yeah and the film doesn't what I love so much about that moment is that it sort of it doesn't sort of play it as some sort of really um, discordant clashing of ideology no but it's something that you know should they sack off both of it both of it and go with each other mm. in the classic romance style they will grow and fester and become problems in the yeah. You know, after the sort of like, after the sort of sparkly nature of the romance declines, and they're living together, and all yeah, this sort of stuff. Yeah. So it's always sort of implied that it's almost like sowing the seeds to sort of almost undermine the fantasy that they yeah. superimpose on one another. Well, yeah. I mean, there's another great moment where uh, it's the husband talking to her in bed, and he's like, "If this was a story, I'd be the fucking villain. Like, yeah, I'd be, yeah, I'd be yeah, the character yeah. that everyone hates because I'm the white guy who's like kind of." found you and i'm getting in the way of your perfect love and he's really uncomfortable with that he's again he's not aggressive about it and they talk about it in a really quite sweet and healthy way yeah yeah but he he's he's kind of the rest of the film he's kind of acknowledging that there's a part of uh, of him that's gonna have to be that guy Mm. (laughs) um and he's just got a hope to god that she doesn't like get enveloped by whatever subtle feeling she might be having uh, and the way he plays it is really great and um and it does do a really good job of acknowledging that and acknowledging that kind of nuance mm. yeah because he sort of uh, you know he's handling it in a very mature and adult way but mm. that seems quite interesting because it almost unmasks that mm. you know yeah. and reveals the real bubbling anxieties underneath which i think he is more than entitled to feel yeah 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 and i think it sort of speaks to the idea about the complexity in which the film handles the three characters because mm. on the face of it you know, he he knows that he can't get in the way of it. Yeah, because it yeah. would be villainous to do that, and it would be yeah. immature. Yeah, but at the same time, the feelings that would lead to immature behaviour are still there. Mm, yeah, and I think having that scene and having that moment to talk them through with Nora was a really. I thought quite a powerful moment. I think some people I was sat with found it quite an amusing moment, which I can sort of see because it yeah, is kind of amusing. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I thought it was quite interesting in in that context that. You know, we, we obviously oh, put him to this standard as this character, but yeah. he's still going to be terrified about losing his true love yeah. to this sort of, you know, <laughs> who is someone that she is herself has even 
sort of relatively vocal about having some kind of connection with. Yeah, even I mean, if she doesn't know what it actually is herself. Yeah, there's a bit where he's sort of asked her, like, "Are you attracted to him?" And she's like, "I don't think so." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's the I mean, there's a fucking handsome there. bloke, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I remember yeah. thinking, well, you know, <laughs> I mean, he's not a bad looking bloke either. But no, like, no. In a more sort of stereotypical sense, he is fucking handsome. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So it's it's tough, you know. There, there's there's definitely a lot of a lot of moments in the film like that where which play with the idea of the one I guess yeah yeah and what happens when you know what would it take to get in the way and what would that make the other person become um there's also some great moments uh, between Hei Sung and the and the husbands as well like they kind of he doesn't speak very good English Hei Sung and uh he's and uh this chap is starting to learn Korean, isn't he? So there's like a language barrier which inhibits any sort of real conversation about it. And, and it weirdly increases the tension. Yeah. Yeah. But they're talking about that all he, he just keeps thanking him for like like it was nice to meet you and stuff. Yeah, and he's yeah, just yeah. sorting saying all these phrases which are very commonplace in the English language and he can do nothing but return <laughs> the yeah, same in Korea. Yeah, yeah. And the, but the ten, like you say, the tension is still there, and it's kind of they both know exactly what's going on. Yeah, and they both yeah, they both know yeah. like kind of weirdly how it's going to end as well. But yeah, it's the tension crazy. is in the simplification of that interaction, isn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. because they're both feeling very complex emotions towards each other, mm. and yet they can't enact that complexity because <laughs> yeah. of the language barrier. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. great. <laughs> and there's that interesting moment I think when in uh, Sung says to says to the husband you know we'd probably get on in a different circumstance yeah, you know yeah I mean? exactly. you can tell there's like flickers of like oh he's all right actually you yeah know I mean? no, exactly. again that adds like an additional layer of sort of complexity <laughs> t- to it doesn't he say like i'm annoyed how nice he is yeah yeah, yeah that's it yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's it yeah it's quite sweet um, yeah he's sweet <laughs> yeah i've got a couple of standout scenes Ooh, um, go on, yeah there's a kind of theme that runs through the film about her and how she deals with her emotions like as a child she like used to cry quite a lot yeah and then the bit at the end where she she do- doesn't sort of burst into tears or anything there's no kind of emotional blowout moments in this film but right at the end when she starts starts crying and on her husband's shoulder i thought that yeah. was really powerful yeah and yeah, just yeah. kind of demonstrates again without any words of just like the complexity of the situation and like what she must be feeling running mm. into this guy again and that was just a lovely moment. Um, the past life thing as well. Like, there's a is conversation. Is yes, I'm that's really right. sorry if I'm bastardising. I think it is, Ignion, isn't it? Yeah, just the idea that in like kind of a parallel universe, I suppose this would be like the American or Western equivalent. It's just, you know, when people say, "Oh, you know, in another life," yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. that, but um, and a lot more. Well, told with a lot, more, a lot more thought than I just did. Um, yeah, but I quite like the way it's deployed because it was, uh, in in it's used in two guises in the film. So mm. the Inyon thing is used by Nora to basically pull who would be ultimately be her husband. Yeah, yeah, and then it's used by the sort of long lost flame as a way of trying to sort of like cushion the blow yeah, and yeah. make things less awkward between him and the bloke but it yeah, makes it more awkward yeah. because of the way Nora's used it before yeah yeah and I quite right. like it it's sort of like <laughs> it does away with that sort of like outside fetishization of Asian belief systems and, and the way they and it sort of brings it in a way that we would say things like oh it's fate you know what I mean yeah, like a throwaway yeah. remark <laughs> as a way of sort of justifying <laughs> behaviour or things that have happened you know yeah which yeah. I, I thought was a really refreshing way of doing it um, because it gave it a sort of 
not that not to trivialize it to the point it wasn't important or isn't important but he gave it a lifting quality yeah which definitely. i really liked mm. um oh no yeah that's true i didn't think about it in that way but it is quite it it does feel quite earthy and lived in yeah yeah nice. yes I, I just think it's such a sort of subtle and powerful ode to the the things that could have been yeah, um, yeah. but is bold enough to sort of acknowledge that the things that could have been are going to ultimately face their own problems yeah yeah you know and I think that's one of the takeaways for me from the film was you know even though these people are, are undoubtedly connected through something through some of this inexplicable feeling that they just feel to one another it won't necessarily mean that it, they will avoid any of the problems that any other relationship will come across yeah and it's quite weirdly sweet that it's left at that it's like yeah that, that is, yeah it's still pure then it's kind of unta- yeah. untainted by yeah. any, any kind of real world scenario yeah, yeah it's yeah. just something that for probably for the rest of their lives they're going to think about occasionally like yeah. maybe once or twice a week just fleetingly for like oh maybe you know in another life <laughs> that kind of yeah thing. yeah but yeah it's it's a great it does demonstrates that really really nicely yeah i think it's kind of like the perfect foil to romance films in a sense because in the way that a romance film is there as I've said probably a few times already now to offer like a fanciful portrayal of love and romance as a yeah. method of escapism i think it's like a real powerful ode to the just the grayness and com- complexity of people I, I might be sort of st- straying into sort of waters that i know very little about but i feel that like a lot of the sort of black and white attitudes to love and romance mm. tend to come from like that sort of black and white yeah. approaching the culture that people consume yeah i don't know how yeah. true that is but mm. i just feel that like you know, and I don't want to say romance films are like contributing to something that is very nice because mm. these days we all have our escapism. That's yeah, absolutely fine. Yeah, of course, but, yeah. but you know, like I feel that like films like this really treat the the idea of of love and rom- well, you know, the doomed romance with a real sincerity and a complexity that you know just reminds you how complicated anything is as long as there's people involved <laughs> you yeah know what I mean? oh, yeah exactly and yeah. i think that's just something we need more of in in sort of because i think this film did quite well in terms of breaking out of maybe the, the that's why the, the the trailer was a little bit more mainstream feeling just mm. to try and get more people through the doors yeah i think so um, yeah which i don't blame them for no no because you, you're going to be surprised by it when you do watch the film which i certainly i mean ultimately was it's weird that it took a while actually uh, i think i was slightly put off by the simplicity of some of it like a lot of their skype interactions like that went on for a long time i was like a lot of this dialogue is just very nice and safe and simple yeah. but it had to be that way because it's it is just about two people that clearly love each other very much in in one way or another and can't can't but can't be together because no. they're because they've got their own stuff going on like yeah, that's all it is yeah. and it, it's all the film needs to be but it just took me a week or so to get that to digest that and yeah and it's definitely a better film for it no a, a really wonderful movie um mm. a real highlight of the year actually yeah yeah definitely um yeah. Uh, i think i guess when we if we do do a end of year retrospective that'd be quite cool actually yeah yeah yeah, yeah definitely. Nick an idea from the film angle <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> sorry boys <laughs> yeah uh, no um but yeah no like i agree one wonderful movie and glad i glad i saw it uh shall we uh should we outro it, or let's have you got there. some? Let's get there. Let's get there now. Questing the cinematic void. There we have it then. Yeah, no, yeah, a real, a, a real highlight of the year. Mm, definitely. Um, I'd be interested to see how it sort of stacks up against 
the future releases of the next three or four months, three months, three months left of the year. Is that it? Yeah. Bloody hell. Bloody we started hell. this uh, in December. January. Yeah, it's January. Well, it was January, yeah, because of uh, it was Avatar, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, on the 1st. Yeah. January. Yeah, that's crazy, man. So Fucking there we hell. go. Almost what a, a journey. <laughs> what a journey. Nice. Thank you for being with us. There we go. Yeah, I was weird. I've uh, sort of not really reflected that it's been a whole year. No, man. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Really, that's yeah, really yeah. sweet. <laughs> it's nice. I um, It doesn't seem like a whole year at all, but years never do anymore. <laughs> that's true, yeah. <laughs> Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not like a couple of prattly old puffins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, great movie. Yeah. Um, please seek it out. Mm. Uh, uh, as Ben pointed out earlier, probably will be on a pr- more prestigious platform, streaming platform so. at yeah. some point. I tried to find it online actually uh, because um, it was quite a long drive to the cinema and I was like, oh, oh. I couldn't. It's out in America on Amazon, and I downloaded. Yeah, I downloaded a VPN. I couldn't get it to work, so I tried to stream it illegally, <laughs> and couldn't get that to work either. And I'm just, I'm so glad I saw it at the cinema because it was yeah. a really special experience. Here we are, the power of cinema. I know. I, oh God, I feel I feel bad for that. But oh, I was, to be fair, it's a twenty four. It's not exactly like they're struggling, is it? No, I just I. I there was a moment of weakness, and I was like, "Oh, let's just see if it's online." I couldn't, uh, it, I couldn't get the like any of the links to work. And I was like, "All right, before I download a catastrophic virus, I should probably just get in my car and go and see the film." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, next week, Old Oak. Yeah, Old Oak. Uh, Ken Loach returning to the to the big screen. It's been a while. It has been. I mean, I'm interested with this one. Uh, I've seen a few trailers. Yes. Uh, or the trailer. Mm. Uh, so the film seems to be about you know poverty that's sort of gripping England, Northern yeah. England, and how immigration sort of ties into yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And how yeah. it's sort of that, the, the sort of anti-immigrant argument is framed mm. uh, as a sort of source of the. A lot of the economic strife that is dogging these communities. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie. As much as I am interested in the exploration of those themes and ideas, the, the trailer looked very on the nose. Oh, mate, I'm uh, glad you said it, actually. Yeah, it does look... It didn't look even remotely subtle. No, <laughs> which is something I think Loach hasn't really been... He hasn't really been concerned with subtlety for a while. Yeah. I think, I think it's probably because he's just so furious about the state of modern Britain that he just thinks, fuck this. Yeah. But who knows? You know, let's not judge it yet. There could be something else it. to it that just isn't in the trailer. I mean, people that make trailers quite often don't watch the films, so they right. could have picked. they could have picked the moments of... Oh, let's just communicate the ideas of this film as clearly as possible in every single line. Yeah, and hammer yeah. it down their throats. It really is guilty of that. That trailer as well. I'm yeah, glad you said that. Yeah, um, yeah. Put me off ever so slightly. If it I'm did. Being honest. Same. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we'll see. Then again, it might be the same people did the fucking tra- uh, trailer for Past Lives because it almost put me off. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, there we go. For, yeah. the sim- for similar things. Uh-huh. Um, but that will lend itself to discussion around English social realism. Mm, yeah. um, a, few, a few of Ken Loach's other films. New territory for us because it's not something we've really talked about on Sender Boys to Sender Men. So no, looking yeah. forward to that. Definitely, yeah. In the meantime, enjoy this episode. Yes. Uh, thank you for your support over the year. Well, it's not the year's not over yet, but yeah. Um, yeah. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, mate. Bye. Bye. <laughs>